Welcome to the Wild Tales podcast. I'm Jason Fox, and this series is all about adventure, resilience, and inspirational humans. The podcast is presented by the Book of Man and in partnership with Talisker, the single malt whiskey made by the sea. My guest today is Tobias Gutteridge, Tobes to his mates. He's an ex-Special Forces operator and Royal Marine Commando who was shot while on tour in Afghanistan and paralysed from the neck down. He is the founder of Bravery, an extreme sports brand that supports charities for underprivileged children and discharged members of the armed forces. And he's basically a man who dedicates his life to empowering people to overcome the adversities they face in life. In this episode, we answer some questions that you've asked me on Instagram. I'm going to be sending a Talisker sea salted caramel gift to the top question. In addition, Maltz.com are offering a 10% off promo code Talisker15DE, all uppercase, redeemable at checkout on www.maltz.com until the end of December 2020. Discounts may only be used once for individual Talisker Distillers Edition products for sale at £100 or less. No minimum spend, but a delivery charge may apply. Not to be used in conjunction with any other offer, and gift card purchases are excluded. 18 plus and subject to malts.com terms of sale. Anyway, here we go, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, everyone. Hello. Uh, I'd like to introduce, as I already have done, but I'll do it now formally that Toby's here. Um, Toby Gutteridge, he's a guy that I served with quite a long time. We served together a while ago and um, he's got an amazing story to tell. So for, without any further ado, fucking let me start again. Without any further ado, Toby, mate, um, it's been a while since we've seen each other, to be fair. We don't yeah. catch up enough and that's all my fault, not yours, obviously. No, don't be silly. We need to, uh, we're going to go right back to the beginning. Um, your life, as a young lad growing up in South Africa, what was it like, mate? Yeah, well, uh, South Africa, jeez. Um, I, I was born in 1985. Um, and back then, South Africa was a different country. You know, it was still uh, under the apartheid regime. So, you know, people weren't allowed to um, socialize together and, you know, things like that. So it was a different country and it was very strict and, and very rigid, I would say, growing up. Uh, yeah, I was, I was born in Johannesburg um, and it was just a different world. Um, but yeah, you know, um, South Africa, it's, it's a fantastic, beautiful country. Um, it's got all the scenery, got all, the, all that stuff on your doorstep. But at the same time, you got all the crime and the complications. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was an interesting childhood, to say the least. I would, I, yeah, put it that way. Um, yeah. Did you do you reckon you were you exposed to the sort of crime and the violence as as a kid growing up, or not really? Did your parents sort of protect you? No, absolutely. I get. I mean, you can't avoid it, Foxy. Um, it's everywhere um, you know every night you're locking up your, your doors like you live in a fort you know and it's it's tough um, but yeah it's it's you you always know someone who's been affected by by it in some serious way um, whether that's a hijacking or a family member who's been murdered or theft or a break-in you know it's it's just part and parcel and the thing is you just numb yourself to it um so you just get used yeah. to it um and you think it's you think it's normal to be honest um but yeah you know um my childhood i mean i didn't have a very good family life um my dad left when i was very very young he you know um you know the usual sob story when you know dad you know left and mom was left to grow bring up four children by herself and um yeah she she struggled and um so it's kind of left to my own demise um and that that just meant you know it's kind of fending for yourself to be honest um so I mean, yeah were you, were, you, were you the oldest out of the four of you 
No, mate. So I had an older brother, which um, was a godsend. And then I had two, two younger sisters. Yeah. Yeah. How much younger than you were they? Um, I've got one is two years, two years younger than me. Um, and then I got a very young one who's 10 years younger than I am. Um, so she's the little baby oh. of the family. Um, bless her. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mate, what... Did your older brother have any influence on you? Because what I'm getting getting to is, you know, you're big into extreme sports. You, you, when did that start for you, like the extreme sports side of things, motocross and that? Well, you know, you know, my brother wasn't anything like me. My older brother's nothing like me at all. He's a proper SWAT, as we'd say in the in the <laughs> military. You know what I mean? Um, he went off to you know university and made a life for himself and. Um, totally different to the road I was going down and the road I was going down, which was, let's say, not a very good one. Um, I was out causing trouble. Um, I had no real boundaries. So I was yeah, causing, a lot of, causing a lot of trouble, getting in trouble with police. Um, and I was using extreme sports as just a way to express myself. So that's mm -hmm. how I got into it. Um, and I wasn't big into the conventional sports. So I wasn't big into rugby or, you know, cricket or swimming, um, athletics, things like that, which in South Africa are huge. You know, that's yeah. like, just like everyone does it. Everyone is into those things. But I wasn't going down that path. Um, uh, maybe I was, you know, rebelling and all that. But anyway, I ended up, you know, getting into the dirt bikes and, uh, you know, skateboarding and, and surfing and things like that. And I was using that as a way of expressing myself. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, it turns out I was actually pretty decent. Um, so yeah, um, you know, I just sort of picked it up, picked it up and, and just rolled with it. And I really loved it. It's kind of how I went. Which one? Which one was the one that you preferred out of all of those sort of like disciplines? Oh, mate, what a question! Um, it's gonna have to be. I'd say it's gonna have to be dirt bikes. You know, the dirt bikes yeah. for me, enduro riding. You know, out there on the bikes was just awesome, man. Um, yeah, I loved going down to the coast and you know getting in the water, which was. Uh, you know, mega. Yeah, decent. There's decent land around there. I have been to Johannesburg actually. In fact, I went there not that long, uh, three years ago, and like I can't imagine what it was like when you were growing up there because even then you could. St I still noticed that it, there was a mega edge to the place. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so I, I liked it. I really liked Joburg, but you could definitely tell you had to be careful with what you're doing. So God knows yeah. what it was like back yeah. in the 90s. You know what I mean. Yeah, but, um, I mean, it's Johannesburg is it's one of those, you know, um, it's, yeah, I love it. I always will. But, um, you know, it is, it, it is what it is, you know. Uh, Mate, that sort of, you're into the extreme sports, you're growing up, you sort of, I suppose extreme sports, would you say extreme sports is what was keeping you on the straight and narrow a little bit, as opposed to going too, too, too far, far. into it? Yeah, too far getting into trouble and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'd definitely say that. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it was something that you wanted to do and you, you you enjoyed doing, whereas if I didn't have it, I'd probably be out causing more trouble than I was in the first place. And, yeah. and that was, you know, quite a lot of trouble. Um, you know, so... I would definitely say that it, it, it was something to do other than, yeah, cause trouble or, yeah, just make a nuisance of yourself. And again, it's a cool way like expressing your character, you know. Um, like I said, I wasn't that like, you know, typical South African, you know, oh, you know, got to play rugby, smash it all, you know. I wasn't into that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't really my style. When did you decide to come over to the UK 
to with yeah when was yeah. was it the movie that that sort of like in, was that your big sort of like pull to the UK to join the British military? Yeah, it's an interesting one actually because you know I'd seen the Marines before the the, the Royal Marine Commandos in South Africa yeah. before, um, and there were rumours of them going around. You know how proper badass they were, and you know the the the, the stuff they got up to. You know, and it was so that was already like you know always in the back of my mind going. You know, ooh, you know, what's this all about? Uh, kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, as I started growing, getting a bit older, started getting to about 18. And I thought, shucks, what am I going to do with my life? You know, and um, I wanted a challenge. Um, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to travel. Um, and also my dad, well, my, my sort of stepdad, or my mom's partner, um, my I don't know, partner, sort of, he, he was in the South African military. Um, so that had probably had uh, quite an influence on me from a very young age. Yeah. Um, and then, but obviously I wasn't going to join the South African military because by the time I was old enough, 18, I mean, that was just a, yeah. You can imagine how bad it was. Um, so yeah, yeah. That was never really an option. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to do it. So I just, I, I don't know where it came from. I just woke up one morning. It was completely random, and I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go for it. I had no idea what I was doing. I just packed a bag, packed a day sack, and I was like, I bought a flight. Um, I was working in some bar I just saved up enough cash got a flight and um came over to the UK and I don't even know where I was staying I mean I landed Heathrow and I was like okay now what you know um cool right let's do this you know okay um where's the nearest uh you know on a sign up office or something um I had no idea what I was doing so yeah. Well, so you haven't even you haven't even spoken to anyone in the careers sort of side of things in the Marines over there. You just sort of like did it on a just blagged it. Just blagged it, mate. Completely blagged it. I was like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I'd heard a few things and I'd, I'd probably Googled a few things and that, but there wasn't much you could find on it. Um, but from what I'd heard, you know, Royal Marine Commandos, you know, British Royal Marine Commandos, toughest of the tough you know and i think at that time they were using the slogan 99 need not apply or something like yeah. something something chat but basically um just going back to that um recruitment advert that they created which was that 99.9 percent .9 need not apply it was apparently the worst one because apparently <laughs> most people looked at it and were like ah, well, well i better not apply then because i'm probably in that 99.9 percent .9 Apart from you, obviously, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I must have been that one percent that it, that it did actually apply to, you know. Um, but that's what I was looking for at that time in my life. You know, at that time in my life, I was really looking for something different, something to really prove to myself that I was more than just the average Joe. You know, going through life, something yeah. like that. You know, well, um. Which did which careers office did you go to to sign up? Like, because you went in blind, really. You landed in Heathrow and were like, yeah, what, yeah. What so I, I went from Heathrow, and and London was just too hectic. Because um, I was trying to find a job, so I was on all these career advertising places. Anyway, I, I eventually ended up somehow in Bristol. Don't ask me how, but I ended up in Bristol, and. Um, I was renting this room, one room, uh, and I was stacking shelves in Tesco's uh, in Bristol at night. I was stacking shelves at Tesco's um, so I could afford a gym contract to try and get fit enough. Um, and that was it. That's all I was doing, uh, training and packing shelves at Tesco's. And then, yeah, I went into the Bristol the Bristol recruitment office down in there, the main center, town center. Um, yeah. And first I just went in and was like, yeah, I want to join the Royal Marines. <laughs> and this guy just looked at me and he was like, okay, cool. Um, 
fair enough. Uh, and that was really, yeah, where it started, to be honest. What, um, how long did it take before you were actually in Royal Marines training? From that, you know, when you, you went into that office? I reckon it was about six months, maybe, maybe six months, yeah. Shit, maybe so a bit less, cut. maybe five months. Yeah, but you were still cutting around having to like stack shelves and renting rooms and stuff like that. That's it, yeah, yeah, and um, trying to afford a gym contract so I could, you know, get in there and try and get a bit fit. But um, yeah, that's 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 really what I was doing, and um, just training, you know, running. I'd, I'd pack a day sack and just do, you know, running into town, running back from work. Um, that was about it, to be fair. Um, wasn't really focused on anything else. Um, how did you um when you turned up to Limston, which is obviously commando training center, that's where all the Marines go to get trained for all the recruits. Yeah, yeah, how did you how did you find it? Are you talking about for that PRMC, you know, that pre pre-training, that little three hour proper all, first day? All one. of it. Yeah. I, I mean, okay, first of all, well, I mean, let's just jump into day one when you turn up for training, you know, and you all as you're going to, to Limston on the train, you know, you can see the lads that are jumping on that are also, uh, you know, got their bag on, bag on their back, whatever, they carry on, they're in a little suit and they got this sheepish look on their face, you know, like a, a deer in the headlights kind of thing. And uh, no one wants to say anything, but we all know we're going to the same place. And then yeah. you, you get off on the, you get off on the train at the, little stop outside Limston and your DL comes down and from then it's just like I mean you just you just go with it don't you I mean I, I just went with it I yeah I didn't have a clue what I was going to do but it was daunting man it was really daunting it was yeah, yeah it was pretty daunting oh, it, was, it was honking I remember mine like the D, a DL for anyone who's a drill leader he's basically the guy that looks after you for the first few weeks tells you how to wash yourself and clean your kit but i remember yeah. that that first few weeks you know maybe all of it for me but it would just seem like a blur but, yeah yeah it's a it's a complete blur especially those first probably six weeks eight weeks until yeah. you start to find your feet a little bit and you start to know who's who's who and no, I didn't, I didn't who's actually gonna pass i didn't find my feet until week 28 i reckon <laughs> <laughs> yeah week 32 <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, but, uh, no, mate, yeah. How, how, how old were you when you joined up yeah i was about 19 19 and then um so obviously i mean we could talk about raw marines training forever but yeah of course we could you know it's like it is it's just a slog isn't it and you obviously got through that <clears throat> finished i mean how did it feel to to actually finish and know you had somewhere proper to live <laughs> Mate, I remember passing out of training. Um, it's probably one of the best days of my life, I'll be honest. Yeah, it was the biggest accomplishments I'd, I'd achieved. Um, so I, I was buzzing, mate. I was, you know, cloud nine. And just knowing what, what I'd achieved and coming through it um, was just... Yeah, it filled me with um, this massive sense of new confidence, you know. Did you? Did any family come over for that day? Because it's, I mean, it's a long way to come, but I was just wondering whether anyone came over. Oh, mate, uh, yeah, typical standard my family. Um, I remember phoning my mother um, and saying, you know, oh, this is my pass-out date, I'm actually going to pass out, you know, as in um, get... Uh, I was going to say get badged there for a second, but no, you know, you get that my career. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, man, she wasn't even interested, I'll be honest. Um, she just, All right, okay. yeah, she didn't, she didn't give a toss. Um, so on, you know, on your pass out day and all the families are there, I was a proper camp orphan, mate. There, yeah, like yeah. Jack Jones, you know, but I, I had a very good friend in training, a very good friend, and his family just took me under their wing. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, but, you know, 
I was bothered. I, I just, I was yeah. proud of myself. You know, I was super proud of myself. Yeah. That's yeah. the, um, that's a good thing about the Marines, isn't it? You, you know, even if you, you haven't got a family or, you, you know, you're a long way from them, you there's always someone there where you can go back to. There's always a place you can go back to with mates and stuff that's like that, even, yeah, if are, yeah. even if you are a camp orphan. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened. You know, the lads just got around me and, and I, I mean, it was what I was looking for, you know, I guess, because yeah, summer holidays, whenever it was holidays, they'd just be like, mate, come back to mine, you know, come back to my family, you know, get together or Christmas, have Christmas with us. And I spent Christmas with lads in training, you know, um, that, that was just my, my experience of, 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 of the Marines and the camaraderie was these guys that hardly knew me were like, yeah, just come back and spend Christmas with us. Yeah, that is awesome. It's is an amazing group. Yeah. What, um, mate, after, after training, where, which unit did you go to? Which commando unit? So after training, um, I went straight to 40 commando because um, I was dead keen. I was dead keen to get out on ops. And they were like, yeah, 40 commandos. The next one, and at this time, Afghan, Afghan was kicking off pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and 40 commando was, was the next one's going out. So I was like, cool. Yeah. Um, and because not sounding like um, blowing my own trumpet here, but being a, um, passing out as a original, they were like, okay, you get, you know, the pick of whatever unit you want to go to. So I was like, yeah. sweet. Um, 40 commandos straight out on ops. They're going out. I'll go there. So yeah, that's, I went straight to 40 commando. And did you go straight out on, on, on a tour? Yeah, I was there for about, no, I can't remember now. I can't remember now, but it was probably six months or something. Cause you have to do, we have to do PDT, uh, pre-deployment training and all that and get all your gear and, you know, all these other little bits. So it's probably about six to eight months. And then, yeah, straight out to on, on my first tour uh, of Afghan. How was it? Again, it was just, just that, like, it's just a blur, you know. Um, it, was, it was hectic. You know, you land, where do you land? You land well, we land in Bastion, and then from there it's just... Yeah, it's just you're bombarded by all these senses and, you know, it's, uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Um, and then before, we, before I knew it, yeah, we were off to a fob out, you know, up at Northern. So we, we were up at the 40 Commander was, you know, sanging up to Kajaki um, and yeah. all the fobs from there. I think, like, I think Bravo was that. Sang in Alpha Company was at Fob Inkerman, and then I can't remember where Charlie was. Uh, Charlie was at Jackie, I think. I don't know where Delta was. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, I was yeah. so I was Alpha. So we we went straight up to Fob Inkerman, um, and we took over from. It was an Army regiment, and they were just getting hammered, mate. Uh, hammered, absolutely hammered. When we got there, there was nothing literally nothing just four compound walls um and a couple of blokes living in squalor just squalor mate that's the only way i can describe it um there were no yeah i mean they were you know going to the toilet just burying it in sand you know and we're on if they've got a you know resupply every few months and they were lucky you know it was it was it was rough it was rough and we took over from them and they were just like just good luck good luck that's all they said really to be honest and uh yeah yeah it was, it was, it was intense around that around that period as well it was hectic so did you was there a lot of how long did you spend at that fob um i'd say six to eight months straight yeah we were supposed to obviously have a handover after six months and come out because it's only six months tours but because yeah. um oh, there were just so many delays it was probably 
we ended up only coming out about six, yeah, probably seven or eight months later. Um, and that was just living there with nothing. Um, the best we got was 10 man rations, um, which you know, Foxy, mate, yeah. that's not good. Yeah. No. Mate, it does your guts no good, not for not for eight months on that shit. No, no, mate. Yeah. So yeah, and it was um it was a really hard tour. Um I know Mark Ormrod's come on your uh, podcast. Um Yeah. Um it was the same tour he got injured. That was that tour he was when he was injured. Um yeah. I, um yeah, my my corporal was killed um on that tour. Um that was that wasn't very really nice. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was it was tough. It was hard. It was hard, um, and it was a massive eye opener. I'm not gonna lie, as to, geez, I'm I'm now in it, you know. Yeah, as in like how serious it is. Yeah, yeah, and it hits you straight away. It's not now all of a sudden this isn't this isn't Limston and running around Woodbury Common. You know, this is yeah, people are actually shooting at you and. You know, you can, anything can happen at any time on these patrols, you're going out, you know, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not fun and games. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it becomes very serious very quickly. It's quite a horrible feeling, isn't it? Can you describe that feeling about just before going on patrol, walking out the gates of Bob Inkerman? Yeah, yeah, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that. Um, we're all down at the gates at Bob Bob Inkerman ready to cross over, you know, into the into the green belt. And um yeah. you're just thinking, you know, every time we, we you know, a good chance we're gonna come under contact here or something's gonna happen and someone's yeah. gonna get hurt. Uh and yeah, you have this gut-wrenching feeling. Um but at the same time, you know, you you're also filled with. This is what I signed up to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Come hell or high water, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a very scary feeling. It's a very scary feeling. So when did you, when did you first decide that you were gonna go for the go for the special forces? Yeah. So. When I was on this tour, actually, um, a couple of the lads, a couple of the lads, the you know, a couple of the SB, S lads came up to the FOB and they were doing some sneaky beaky stuff from there, um, going out and doing some stuff um, in the middle of the night. And when everyone asked, oh, you know, who, who are these guys? Uh, everyone was like, oh, no, you know, you can't talk to them, don't, you know, can't ask questions, it's all, you know, this, this, that. And um, that just intrigued me. And then eventually, I think I spoke to my sergeant major and he gave me, he gave me the same answer, you know. He was like, oh, don't worry about it, you know, just, yeah, forget about it. Um, but I knew something was up here. So I just went and spoke to him. Um, and and that was the first time I actually. That was the first time I'd even heard of the SBS or the Special Boat Service. You know, I thought the Royal Marines was you know top dogs. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, I started speaking to them and talking about them, and I just got chatting with them about what they do, and and after that, that's really just so where the the seed was planted, um, and that's when I thought, you know what? Oh, yeah, I got back. I got back from Afghan. Um, did a few more, uh, just a few more years in the Marines, and then yeah. I uh, I applied for it. So I thought, because from then I thought, yeah, this is the road I really want to go down to. I looked into it a bit more, obviously, and. Um, got a bit more information about it so then i decided yeah this is really i think this is what i want to do um, and and i must have put in for it yeah fairly recent after that um, and then and then you found yourself on selection yeah back on Mate. yeah back on yeah 
Yeah, selection. There we go. Um, Colin, let's, t- let's talk to you yeah. about your your experience on selection because we've all got it. Whenever I look back on it, I'm like, it's awesome, but it was dark. That's you know what, what I, mean? I, you know, what, that's exactly what I was going to say because I was going to say, well, when people ask me, you know, oh, what was selection like, special forces, special force selection? Now, I, the first thing I want to say is it was awesome. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Like, and I was like, yeah, this is why I joined up, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I loved it. I, I'm, yeah. Um, but there were some dark, dark times. Yeah, it's hard work, isn't it? It's fucking hard. Yeah, it's a slog. It is a slog. Um, and that's a slog from day one, you know? The, the hills, yeah, you know, they're not easy. But you can kind of prepare for the hills, I suppose. Yeah. Um, if you do like your, if you, you know, practice your map reading and you, you know the area and everything, you, you know, you can get and you, and you've obviously, you're fit enough, you can get through it. Mm. But after that, mate, it's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Um, the jungle, what can I say about the jungle? You know, it's, it's that'll, that'll test any soldier, you know, that's, that's really where you find out what you're made of, you know. Um, it's not, it's it's on the course for a reason, isn't it? That yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, you know. Um, if you're disciplined and you're, you're self-disciplined and, you're, and that comes down to like your hygiene, uh, everything, if you're not, if you're not on it, uh, the jungle will eat you alive, man. It'll just eat you alive. Um, yeah, you, can does, see it, you can see it. So uh, you pass, you pass selection. Uh, I mean, that is an amazing feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you join, you joined the special boat service, and you came into our squadron. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, mate, you you joined our squadron. I think it's safe to. Well, I'm going to be biased now, but I think we had a we had a good squadron. It was a good yeah. bunch of. What, yeah. what was it like? What was it like, join coming in? You know, I mean, I, I've got my own experiences of when I was new and joined, but what was what? How did you find it coming into to the to the squadron, mate? When I joined the squadron, um, I thought I was uh, going to be slammed with a lot of um, sprog routine, and um, you know, I thought I was going to be absolutely, you know, having to. Uh, work my way up the, the the kind of the pecking order and all that, which I was totally you know ready for. But yeah, what I wasn't prepared for was how opening the lads were, you know, mm. how accommodating, how warming the lads were towards us, uh, and to me especially because I was so young in in respect to you know my my military career right? i hadn't done that long mate, were you 20, if i remember rightly were you 25 no mate i was uh i just turned 24 all oh, right okay yeah just yeah 23 you, 24 um like, I remember it was you were you know age-wise you were young weren't you yeah i remember yeah yeah i was um i was young and pretty na- naive and um i just uh yeah, I was blown away by everyone getting around me and, uh, you know, because it's all new kits and, and, and new, just everything's new. So uh, it was just great to see so many guys uh, coming around and getting around me and showing me how to, you know. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do things that are easier and, um, you know what I mean, like getting a cage, sorts it out and, um, yeah, everything. Um, it was fantastic. You get, you get, I mean you do get thrown so much kit that you've never used before. Yeah, that was it. So much kit that you've never seen before because, well, you just don't see it in the Marines. Um, so it's all new, even even all the weapons, you know, everything. Yeah, sure, okay, you use the weapons on um, selection, but it's very basic, you know. Like, you don't get all the, um, you know, the extra bits, the add-ons and all that. You don't get, yeah. and all the, you know, cry gear and, you know, helmets and all that you don't get you don't get any of that so and you've never the, seen it before you've got to get your head around all the tech kit as well haven't you like yeah, radio, yeah, yeah. Like just so much stuff and but, new um, radios new radios that was pretty in, intense and um, just different sops completely different yeah. sops um so yeah it's it is a bit of a it is a the, the learning curve is so steep but the lads are just, they're just getting hurt. You know, now, now you want, you're in, you know, you're in. Yeah, yeah so it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty it's awesome. awesome. Toby, you, you joined the squadron and, I mean, I'm trying to, rec- I'm, I'm recalling this as I remember it, so I might be slightly off a little bit, but I, if I remember rightly, we pretty much went into pre-deployment training to go out on an, on our own tour then. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And we, we flew out, it was... 2009 yeah that's right um it was just at the end of august i think we set off at the end of august and uh we flew in and we took over from an outgoing squadron and we basically went in to i would suggest it was the most hectic tour i'd been a part of so your baptism of fire with the special boat service was pretty full-on would you would you agree with that yeah i would um and that's not and I'm not taking away from any of the other tours before that, because um, I know it was all pretty hectic. Yeah. Um, but I remember we took over from M M Squadron, and it was yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty hectic. I remember they had just suffered mass mass casualties, and uh, yeah. they were they they were ready. Do you remember to go, that? They were ready to go home when we got out there, and yeah, you remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember it really well. And um, there's a friend of mine, you know, died in that. And and then obviously we we went in. I remember our first proper job was. I mean, we're not going to talk about it, obviously, but no, we can't. And and you know what it was, which one I'm on about. But it was, you know, it was, it was a you know, it was full on. Someone died. I think I thought. Yeah. I think. Did you think I'd died? <laughs> I, yeah, honestly, yeah. There was a lack of communication on the ground, wasn't there? It was mental. Yeah, I, and I don't even know if, because there were two things, so I, I, don't, I can't say too much. But honestly, I, I, I was certain it was you. Um, from what I could see there, I was certain. I mean, it was pitch black, but um, from what I could see, I was like, yeah. And then it came over the radio. And I was yeah. like, what? But it didn't quite add up according to, you know, who was where and things yeah. like that. But, um, yeah, it was only, I don't remember, but it was only probably when we got back, yeah. Um, I'm glad you were wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... But, um, again, yeah, it was one of those. I mean, that, that, was, that was us hitting the ground running on that tour. Um, yeah. Yeah, it kicked up, and we we're getting to a point in this tour that obviously we're going to talk about. But I mean, your experience on that on that trip out there. I mean, even before the main incident, you you were involved in some gnarly stuff. You know, you picked up some, you picked up a wound early on, didn't you, on a job? Yeah, yeah, that was that was another crazy one, um, off the cuff. One again, I don't know how much I can say, yeah, but you, you probably remembered as well, Fox. I think you might have been in the other way. I think we went, it was, it was during you know, every now and again, we do stuff in the daylight, 
and there was a there was a bit of a firefight. And I think did you get you got shot in the arm, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it turned into one of those where it, um, it was one of those unpredictable ones. Um, but anyway, yeah, we ended up hitting the ground running, and um, I think we were caught with our pants down a little bit, um, and the helos bugged out. So we didn't have much of a choice but to, you know, just yeah. move forward. Um, but it's what we train for and it's what we do. But uh, yeah, it was complete, uh, just, I got, I got shot in the shoulder um, or in the upper, upper arm. Upper arm, yeah. Yeah, and the most, the, you know what I remember? The most from it. Go on. Is getting back and just getting absolutely ripped. <laughs> the lads just proper ripping me to pieces like there was no mercy no mercy no sympathy it was no quarters um i gotta yeah. say like now uh, like the banter that we had out there was so it was it was great oh, it was it. so ruthless so i mean i'm gonna explain this to the listeners so so toby got shot in the upper arm it was a flesh wound fortunately it yeah. wasn't like mega mega serious no it's and, straight through in and out and the lads just absolutely rinsed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not in a bad way, just in, you know, it's just that way of getting through that sort of... It is. Those situations. But, um, mate, you got over that. You didn't even you didn't even go home, which is testament. You know, that option would, would have probably been there, but you decided to stay out, just sort of look after the wound, make sure it got better. And then you, then we went back, and then you went back at it. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I remember you being quite frustrated in that period where you were just letting it, you know, you were having to rest up a little bit and you were like, getting all narky. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, because the lads are going out and you're, you know, someone's got to take your place. Someone's got to take mm. your place. And uh, you're just feeling, you get getting all this pimped up frustration and, um, all you want to do is, yeah, help and be part of it. You know, um, this again, it's that camaraderie. You know, I, I really didn't want to let the squadron down, um, especially because I was one of the new lads. Um, so yeah, yeah, but um, you you didn't you didn't mate. No, nah, I mean, it's, but I, I do. I feel like I, I there'll always be a part of you, Foxy, that always that'll always feel that. Um, but it's you know these are things I've had to deal with. These are things that I've had to cope with um, throughout my journey. I know, I know, but just like from whatever it's worth, my point of view is you, you put a shift in long before you needed to anyway. But, mate, let, let's get to the night in question or the yeah. one that we're all going to get to. It was an operation that we went on. It was a long way away from where we lived. There was a long flight in. Yeah. What, how, what can you... I mean, mate, just... I'll just hand over to you. You know what? I can't actually remember that much. Um, if I'm honest, uh, I remember us prepping, uh, heading down to the, heading down to the pan, uh, getting on the helos. And that's where it really becomes very hazy. Um, yeah. I know it was a massive long walk in and, um, yeah, uh, that's, um, and then uh, I think honest, it was I much more than that, to be honest. I'll try and put some meat on the bones, but I think it was that far away we had to refuel on en route. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think we there was an issue with the helicopters where we had to wait for a bit longer, they're always standard. Um, and then we ended up going in, like you said, we got dropped off a way out, long walk in. Then we just came up against the compound and it was, it went noisy quite quickly, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, yeah. And that was in the first compound. And then a few yeah. insurgents bugged out and then moved up. And there was a separate compound. Um, and then, and yeah, as we got up to that one, um, it was, the door was locked. Um, yeah. But it was bolted and closed with, I think, I think it was a chain or something. Uh, yeah. And we wanted to blow in, 
Um, yeah, you know, but the powers that be said no. Um, and in which case, yeah, we, you know, kicked the door down, all that. Um, but I think that gave them plenty of time to set up shop, if you get what I mean. And um, just as we came through, it was just, yeah, um, just walking into a wall of bullets, really. Um, yeah. So basically, so for everyone listening, it's quite, you know, it was a hectic night. But, it was, um, it was, yeah. Toby got you got shot, and um, you went down. There was a there was a lot of commotion that went along with that because obviously there's a gunfight going on. You've got a, a casualty, uh, and there was I think two guys worked on you, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, two guys were working. Two of the two of the two lads that we know really well. They were working on Toby. Everything else was going on, and there was a lot of confusion as to what had happened to you. I'm just filling in a few blanks here, mate, if that's all right. Yeah. And um, obviously, because of the severity of your injury, which no one really knew how that was gonna, how it was gonna play out. And if I'm honest, a lot of people thought the worst. Uh, they called in a, they called in the the helicopter, the casualty evacuation helicopter. One of ours came in and. You got taken away with, um, I think the two guys. I think the two guys working on you went away as well. So uh, yeah, so there was three guys gone off away, and no one really knew what was going on, and we didn't know what was going on for a long time. If I'm honest, it was quite. You know, we had to get on with that night, and we ended up getting away from there. It was a long, drawn out evening, and then we came back. And I'm just filling this in so you can then get on with, with the real like your side of it but yeah 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 sure it was, it was the following day that we'd found out about the injury as far as i remember it was was it your was it c2 yeah c2 um spinal cord um had been damaged uh yeah so you so toby had been shot through the neck um and it, it basically shattered too, which is quite high up on the on the backbone, isn't it? On the neck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we didn't really know what the what was going on, but they were there was a lot of work going on to try and do as much as they possibly could, and that was all we found out. Yeah, I mean that's all you probably would have found out at, at that point. You know, um, it was only when I got back to probably the UK, um, they feeling that the more more life was sort of shone on how severe the injury was and, and what the implications of that injury were. Um, but yeah, I bet it must have come as quite a massive blow to the lads. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a blow, but more importantly, you know, what about, you know, your journey? I mean, when did you start to, when, when can you start remembering after that because ultimately you, all you can really remember is the long helicopter flight, maybe a long walk in, and then it's hazy. When did it start to become clear again? Because obviously you must have been on a hell of a lot of drugs. Uh, yeah. well, in yeah. fact, you'd have been, you were in a coma, no doubt, for a, for a long period of time. It was, yeah. Um, I can't, you know, I can't remember how long, but yeah, I was in a coma for a long time, and I woke up. Uh, you, you don't know, I don't know, um, there's not much, you you wake up and you just don't believe it, to be honest. You don't even believe it yourself. Um, probably, yeah, you just don't believe it yourself. And uh, you just you just go through it and you let time do its thing. You go, you try and uh, tell yourself, I mean, you're hanging on to any, any bit of hope there is, I'll be honest, you're hanging on to anything, you know. Um, you've been told the worst, worst possible case scenario and, and you just think to yourself, oh, well, maybe, maybe like something, something will happen, you know, like some, some new technology or, or some new medical science or something. You're just hanging on to anything. Um, and it, you, you just need time um, to go through the grieving process, which, you know, you know all about. It's the same as the, the 
the loss cycle, that grieving cycle of going from acceptance to anger to frustration, um, and you're bouncing all over the place. Um, but yeah, you just, just need time. Just for the benefit of people listening, what what was that? What were you actually told when you were fully compass and you were ready to, you know, start? rehab i suppose of whatever that looked like what what was it that you were told by the professionals oh um the professionals were straight off they were like you're never gonna at this point i I was in a bad i was in really bad shape really bad shape they were like look you you you're not going to talk again you're not going to eat or drink um, you know, you're going to be fed through a, you know, a tube in, in, into your stomach. Um, and obviously you'll never move, you'll never move from the neck down. If anything, you're going to have slight head, head movement. Um, and that's about it. Uh, you're, you're going to struggle to concentrate. You're going to struggle to, um, bright lights, all these things, you know, um, yeah, all, all the worst case, possible case scenario. Um, and that just, uh, yeah, I mean, well, what can you say to that? Um, mm. What do yeah. you say to that? You just, um, whew, yeah, uh, like I said, you're just clinging to any hope at this point. At this point, how, how, how did you get yourself through those those periods? It, I mean, to be told that is, I mean, it's hard work. You know, you're going from where you'd come from to that. What? I guess what you just. Was, I guess you just try and you know you just try and. stay positive as much as as much as you can um you know you resort back to your training and and your confidence and you try and uh, boost yourself up um and the only thing you can do is just try and let just let time be the healer time be the healer because your emotions are all over the place um they really are um and you, you can't make heads and tails of it, you know. Uh, you're just praying that you're going to come through it at some stage. At some stage, things are going to get better. And I guess you just keep telling yourself that. Um, but, yeah, those are the initial you know, initial thoughts. Um when you when you're going through it but also actually there is this feeling of well at least i'm alive you know (laughs) if if that's anything and i was like you know i'm still here um so i've still got some form of you know so some sort of fighting chance you still got something to give but i mean we'll come on you come on to what you can what you give which is yeah i mean you know but what how long, I mean, how long were you in in hospital for? Because you moved, I remember I remember myself and one other lad, we came to see you in can't remember the name of the place, it's near Salisbury. So we we came there, but you would sort of how long were you in for? Because it was it was a it was a, a long stretch, wasn't it? It was a long stretch, man. That yeah, so I, I was um, transported to Salisbury um, spinal units after I had sort of initially stabilised from, you know, the initial shock of the injury and everything. All, all the, yeah, once they had stabilised me to a point where I could move to maybe a, yeah, spinal unit, which was based in, in Salisbury. Um, and from there, I, I spent 12 months, yeah, 12 months on my back, um, staring at the roof, uh, just trying to um, get healthy enough um, to maybe then see, yeah, see what the future looked like. But um, yeah, it was 12 months of just staying 
in bed um, trying to get trying to get strong again, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, were, that, that was hard hard in itself. I mean, I'd say that was one of the toughest times. Um, see, that was a long time, and then it obviously everything's been a long time, hasn't it? It's every so everything's yeah. been a, a slog, like housing, getting yourself into a position where you've got the right people around you and that obviously it's been a long long journey up to that point or up to this point but when when did bravery become well become sort of like an idea but bubbling away so this is really important really um so when i finally got out of hospital and um i'd gotten back I was, you know, I'd come back to to camp and I was staying on the marriage the marriage quarters, um, and I was finding it I was finding it extremely difficult to cope with my injury. Um, I was finding it difficult to try and get back into society. Um, I didn't want to see the lads um, yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, you know, I was I felt alone. I felt uh, yeah, I was in a really, really bad place. I was in a really bad place. And eventually it got to the point, and I'm actually, I'm not afraid to say this anymore, and I'm, I'm quite proud of it to say this. Um, I had a complete mental breakdown. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'd had enough, um, and I, was, I had to be shipped off to a hospital based in Southampton, which is, um, you know, people go for severe psychiatric problems and things like that. Um, and yeah, I was, I was at my wits end. Um, I'd had enough. I thought this is the lowest I'd ever felt. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go on. Um, I that was it. Um, and it was from there I started, um, I met a guy, um, a psychologist, um, who's now a very good friend of mine. And he started working with me uh, on a one-to-one basis. And the first thing he said to me was, Tobes, I want you to just think of three things that uh, identify your character, you know, in a positive way. Three three things that are... make you you um and that was hard but you know i did i you know i looked at it and i i I went away and the three things i came up with were that i was passionate i was determined um and i was you know i'd like to think of myself as quite an honorable person and i just kept and he kept reiterating these three things that i should keep remembering about, keep remembering and then think of examples in my past and throughout my life so far that have had, like exemplified these these characteristics or traits within myself. And um, slowly I started building myself back up, slowly, slowly. Um, and yeah, and then I got to a point where I was strong enough to think, okay, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And that's when bravery hit me and I was like, yeah, I want to. I want to do something that's gonna be a force for good. And um, how can I do that? So I wanted to start a company that was called Bravery, and that's really where it started and where it comes from. What does it? So, for people that don't know, what what is bravery? Um. So what is bravery? I mean, bravery is uh, it's an extreme sports brand. Um, that's uh, inspired by uh, extra, uh, you know, surfing, motocross, and that. But ultimately, it's inspired by the message of the word, which is getting people to um, believe in themselves again and um, being brave in life um, and getting through whatever life throws at you, um, never giving up. Um, and that's what it's about, really. It's, um, it's a lifestyle brand, you know. Um, and ultimately, it's delivered by the one person that's shown the most amount of bravery out of anyone I know, to be honest. It's, um, you know, 
you are the bravest person I know. You've been through, uh, you've been on a journey that's uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, I've been, I've seen, seen you every now and again, the sidelines, not enough, I know. But um, if anyone's going to talk about bravery, you are oh, the first. You know, you're a fucking, you're, you're a celebrity now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Go on. But ultimately, bravery is, it's, you know, it rep, you represent it and it represents you and it's awesome and people need to, you know, people need to go and have a look at it because it means a hell of a lot more than what Toby's just said there. It means a hell of a lot more and it's inspired by a, a young young man's journey from the bottom of something and he's still got the passion and drive to keep going on. Um, mate, yeah. it's, it's awesome. But... Um, what do you, what what do you find fulfilling about it now? Um, you know, uh, fulfilling it gives me purpose. It gives me purpose because um, you know, bravery the brand is ultimately it's about helping others. Yeah, sure, it's a company and it's you know extreme sports clothing and gear and things like that. But ultimately, it's about helping other people um, overcome their own challenges in life. Now that no matter what that is, and we all know that everyone's struggles in life, it's it's all um, relative to them. You know, my struggles are different to someone else's struggles. Um, so yeah, and that's what I find the most fulfilling is helping others. I think, um, and also staying in touch with <clears throat> the things I'm passionate about. So the extreme sports world, the motocross, the dirt bikes, the surfing um, and all that. So I enjoy those because I get out. I get to go to events and things like that. So I really find that pretty cool. Um, when I get to hear someone's story of how bravery, the brand has inspired them um, yeah. and how it's helped them, I just feel like, yeah, you know, my, my job is done and I'm still doing what I was ultimately trying to do when I was in the military, which is help. You know, I'm still doing that just on another platform. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, so that's really fulfilling, you know. My, yeah, I love it. Um, awesome. Um, right, yeah. before we move on to a reader's question, because I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the time. That's cool, yeah. What, if there's anyone out there listening who's who's in a dark place who's in what we'd call rock bottom have you what advice would you give them don't dwell and stew on 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 on, the, on the how bad it is you know you've got to remember who you are and 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 how and what you've come through so far think of the things that identify you as a person and um you know think of one good thing about yourself and just stick with that and, and build on that. You know, it's hard. It, you know, it is hard. Um, so you've just got to you know, dig deep, believe in yourself, keep moving forward, keep, 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 uh, keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, and, and, and things will get better. They will. It's just, you know, don't keep in those bad places. Um, and the other thing I would say, the other thing I would say is seek help, really. Um, it's not, it's not a, a weakness or, or um, don't be ashamed to seek help. I, I had to seek help. I had to. Um, and it took me so much courage to seek help because, yeah, I didn't think um, I needed it. And I didn't think that it, it made me, I thought it made me maybe less of a man, but um it was the best thing I did was to seek help, and and that's where I, yeah you know I learned all these things that helped me get through it. Yeah, you're not alone. Is that's, yeah. that's one of the main things I'd say. Right, mate. Let's move on to. Um, I'm going to flick through these questions and try and pick one that's worthy of basically. Okay, this is all right. This is good, right? Congratulations on your first class honors degree in business studies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can I say? Um, what made you decide to study for a degree, and is it a bit part of a bigger picture, bigger plan? Uh, that, oh, sorry, that, that's from um, that's from someone on Instagram called Josie J L E J. So, if 
well done, Josie, J-L-E-J. Um, here's Toby with the answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what made me want to study a degree? So obviously being paralyzed, I knew that, you know, I'd have to rethink uh, what I'm, what I'm going to do with my life. And I figured it's going to have to be on some form of educational path. Um, so I just started back at the beginning and um, started my educational career again and built it up slowly. Um, and also by this point, I knew I wanted to do a, I wanted to start a business and I knew to do that probably needed some sort of um, knowledge in business. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sweet. Okay, cool. Let's, let's try and um, study some business and yeah, really just followed on from that. Uh, but as far as a bigger plan, yeah, I was just trying to get, um, get some, some sort of uh, platform or um, to be able to start a business. And you're obviously, the bigger plan is obviously to grow bravery, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Um, the bigger plan would be to grow bravery as a business. Um, and to do that, what better place than to actually get an education in, in business? Um, yeah, so started at the ground level, ground roots. Um, and now again, I, I had to go right back. So I had to redo my GCSEs because, uh, you know, um, I'd been out of education for so long. Um, everything that I'd done, it was now, you know, useless. So I started back GCSEs and um, then I went on to college um, and then I decided to yeah, do a business degree and really, really get some strong foundations within business. Instead of just trying to blag it, which is what we do in the military all the time. <laughs> done it our old, we've done it in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. Um, mate, it's been awesome, but bravery is yours. It is an amazing business. It's an amazing message. I mean, I've got some of your kit. I love it. Where Where can people find out more about bravery? Yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic, awesome brand. Um, so if you want to find out more, um, and by all means, please do follow us on Facebook. Uh, we've got a Bravery Facebook page, um, and that's at bravery.org.uk. That's the username. Um, on Instagram, we're at bravery underscore UK. Um, and... Yeah, the website where you can um, pick up some of our um, stuff or our gear. Um, and we've got some awesome stuff coming up next year. You know, some serious high-tech uh, quality products. So, yeah. Um, and that's www.bravery.org.uk. Um, check us out. So, yeah, everyone check out Bravery. I mean... Mate, Tobes, you are a, an absolute inspiration. You are, you are a legend. Yeah, I really appreciate sure, you coming on. And um, thanks, man. Please, ed- everyone listening, go and take a look at Bravery because it is born from an inspiring individual. You are, mate. You're a legend. And I remember what you were like in the squadron. You were a fucking tough, a tough bloke. So thanks very yeah, much for coming on, mate, and sharing your story. Yeah, no. I uh, know. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Foxy. And um, it's it's um, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks very much to Toby. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, and follow me and the Book of Man for the latest news. Thanks again to Talisker for supporting this podcast, and thanks for listening. I'll see you again soon. <laughs>